I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and on this week's Archive Edition, we watch a play for power after a dictator unexpectedly kicks the bucket in Armando Iannucci's absurdist drama, The Death of Stalin. What is this lust for power? It's a very fascinating thing, isn't it? Lust for other things. Power is the most mysterious, isn't it? I, I have not a word said against Armando. I think he's just... Well, I think he's a genius, really. His eye and his ear is absolutely impeccable. The Death of Stalin is a satire about the days before the funeral of the leader of the Soviet Union in 1953. This film is by Emmy Award-winning and Oscar-nominated writer-director Armando Iannucci, creator of The Thick of It, Veep, and previous to this, the director of In the Loop. The film's star-studied cast includes Jason Isaacs, Rupert Friend, Andrea Riseborough, Steve Buscemi, Jeffrey Tambor and Michael Palin, all of whom fight to control the country after Stalin's death. Our actual general secretary is lying in a puddle of indignity. I mean, I think he's saying, get me a doctor now. No, I don't, I don't agree. I think, uh, I think we should wait until we're quartered. Quartered? The room is only 75% conscious. Are you wearing pajamas? Yes, so... Why? Because I act, Labrenti, decisively and with great speed. I said you'd be tested, and right now you're being tested by a shouting man wearing pyjamas. Simon Russell Beale plays Berrier, the head of the secret police. He joined me to discuss this dark, funny, if historically truthful film. Okay, so at the start of the film, Joseph Stalin is about to kick the bucket. Um, There is a vacuum of power, and Berrier seems very keen to fill it. I should say, yes. Stalin is all based on fact, as you Mm. know. And Armando is quite strict about all that. And the only thing that's changed is the sort of time scale. He's sort of squashed together. Anyway, Stalin famously had this massive stroke. The, um, yeah, so he was left in lying on the floor in his room and then the first person I think to go in other than the housekeeper was was Beria yeah he was brave enough to go in and then they all argue, argue about getting doctors and then they argue about getting doctors well Stalin had killed a lot of doctors of course just mm. before the famous doctors plot and so I mean yes so they had to get doctors and uh, and Khrushchev who of course ended up being the next head of state I think was quite a junior member of the Politburo so you had Malenkov who was now the new head of state, and you had Beria, who was very senior, and this pipsqueak called Khrushchev, who wins. You've had an incredible career, but you haven't done as much in film. No, I haven't. I've done a, I've done a bit, but n- no, not a lot. 
don't know, it's passed me by, really. Um, so this is a, a new venture for me. And how was that different? I mean, how did you... I think there were some similarities in the sense that uh, Armando uh, was very uh, intense in the sort of rehearsal process. Well, oddly, talking to people about the film, they say it's quite theatrical, which very I hadn't really thought about it, but I suppose mm. it is, and they're quite long scenes, aren't they? And they're quite verbal scenes and I suppose that's what Armando plays with also in the thick of it and Veep and and we had two weeks rehearsal beforehand which of course for me is is great Mm. because I've sometimes I have gone on set and thought I've no idea what I'm doing I've no idea what they want um so to be able to talk about it for two weeks beforehand is 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 great um he sort of used improvisation not a lot of improvisation but he used a bit to change the script all the time. So um, mm. we never were quite certain what we were going to say to on the day. And that was a challenge for you. I think you've said that before. Improvisation was something you haven't done. Yes. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think Amanda recognised that. And he was very, very kind. He didn't, he didn't force me <laughs> to do it because there were some very, very expert improvisers there, like uh, Steve and um, Jeffrey. And uh, I think in the end, probably, I didn't improvise very much. He, what, he, what he used to do, Amando, was to do a scene and get it in the can and sort of have it set and covered and all the rest of it. And then he would say, let's just do a version, you know, just for fun and yeah. see what comes out. And, and the first time we did that, actually, nothing changed. It's quite interesting. <laughs> and, we, and we all went, sorry, Amando, nothing changed. He said, no, that's not the point. It's just an easier... Uh, piece of acting really shoot her before him but make sure he sees it or in this one um, kill him take him to his church dump him in the pulpit and I'll leave the rest up to you you may hate me for making this comparison, but you've obviously done a lot of Shakespeare. But I would argue that um, Armando and his co-writers, they're pretty incredible wordsmiths. Oh, absolutely. And, and actually, talking about the co-writers, of course, Shakespeare was a great co-writer, <laughs> as we now know. Um, and Armando, look, I, I have not a word said against Armando. I think he's just, well, I think he's a genius, really. Yeah. And um his eye and his ear is absolutely impeccable. Mm. This is why, it was, was why I'm slightly wary about using the word improvisation because he, he would never let his own ear allow something to slip. He would never, he would never just mm. say, oh, that's just improvised. No, it's, it was all very precise by the time it got onto the screen. I know this is part of your trade already, but I believe in comedy it's all about the beats and the pauses and letting... I don't know. How would you how would you say talk about that? Well, I think it's different on film and on on. Um, or perhaps I'm wrong. In theatre, in theatre, you're in charge of the beats, aren't you? Mm. As an actor, and what I find completely and utterly puzzling is watching great comic actors on film. I don't know how they do it. And let's face it, my part in this is not very funny. Um, you see the great comic actors, and I don't know how they do it because I don't know how they can judge it without an, a live audience there. But they do, and. I presume a lot of it is to do with their own rhythm and their own timing, but a lot of it, of course, will be to do with the editing. So in film, it's a slightly different process. I think you just have to trust playing as truthfully as possible and hope that they'll edit it so that it's it's comic. That's interesting, isn't it, that the editing, I suppose, in a comedy, though this isn't necessarily a comedy, but it's comedic, it is important. It was the first thing, the very first bit of filming I ever did of any sort of substance was a thing called Dance and Music of Time, for television, it was a big part, and I remember the first scene I did, and the, we did the first sort of run of it, and the director just took, he said, can I have a word? And he took me off, and he said, you don't have to be in charge of the pace of this scene. 
um, because that will be done by the editor and by me and whoever. In other words, you don't have to jump in on cue. Mm. You you say your line when you feel ready to say it, and don't feel obliged to to think of it like a play. And that was the a big lesson that. And you'll and you'll see actors on you know they take their time on film sets and, and they're ready and they'll say it and they know that it can be tightened up and it can be made more comic or whatever. But that's not the actor's responsibility on a film set. And where the cameras are? Again, I'm asking you very basic oh. questions. Now that's that's interesting. Um, I was just talking about the fact that I need. I, I felt. I need to learn more of the craft of it, yes. And I don't know whether the best thing, I'd have to ask other actors about this, whether the best thing is to ignore it and just, you know, do what you do and you'll be caught on camera somehow. Or whether you should be aware of, I don't know what the best, I don't know what the best, <laughs> best system is really. But I would, I mean, I did, you know, about two years ago, I sat down and I thought I need to know about film as a, well, we're not only watching famous films, which I had, a lot of which I've never seen, like The Godfather, I've never seen, you know. Mm. Uh, but also about the craft of it. So I bought lots of books. <laughs> I bought a history of film, a couple of history of films, and I bought a book which I still can't quite understand about lenses and, um, <laughs> you know, focal distances and whatever. But I, try, I tried wow. because I think, yeah, you should, you should really mm. know about that. This is a blatant attempt by Comrade Berrier to buy the support of the public. I thought you were in favour of a more liberal approach, Comrade Reformer. All those in favour of pausing the arrests, of pausing the executions, an incredible, beyond incredible ensemble cast. Again, sort of maybe getting into the minutiae a little bit, but what's it like bouncing off some of those, <laughs> those, those comedians, those actors? Oh, look, I mean, what do you do when you're facing Jeffrey and Steve? You know, it's... Um, give it your best. <laughs> give it, just try, <laughs> try a bit harder. Um, they're amazing. And what, that was partly to do with this two weeks rehearsal, which I have to say was invaluable for me. But that, partly that was to do with the confidence thing, you know. You know, Steve, and Steve's such a generous man. And I think we had the luck to all, by the end of that two weeks, certainly, to know that what our function was mm. within the group. So nobody was playing against another person, do you know what I mean? It was, mm. it, we all had a, you know, and I knew mine was the sort of serious, evil, horrible person. But, you know, Jeffrey was doing his thing and Steve was doing his thing. And so Jason was doing his thing, so, you know. Very early on, Amanda said, you know, this is a black comedy, but the seriousness of their situation and the seriousness of the history is too big to ignore. So I think, you know, these were people responsible for a lot of unhappiness and pain and and death. There are no Russian accents, which... Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I knew... I, somehow I knew he wouldn't want a Russian accent. I mean, I, I sort of knew that. He never said it. What I think is more unusual is the fact he didn't want any of us to change any of our accents. Because I said, you know, you know Stalin and Beria are from, both from Georgia. Shouldn't they be the sort of same? And I remember I started trying to speak with them. Um, accents are not my strong point. Um, started trying to speak with a sort of London accent because Adrian, who was playing Stalin, oh. had a London accent. And I thought, well, I better, you know, see if I can do a sort of London accent. But Amanda wasn't interested in that at all. And I, that, that I think, because of course, I, I, when I've seen, of course, I'm completely used to it. So those guys just are oh, Malenkoff and Khrushchev, even if they're speaking with an American accent. I don't know what it does, does to the sort of, whether it distances the audience or whether it makes them not, I don't know. 
I think for me, it just made me allow, allowed me to laugh more. Yeah, that may be the case. It also means that we can a little bit more relaxed. I don't. I don't think anybody, unless a an accent genius, finds it easy to play comedy in a different accent. I think that might, might be rather hard. Your character does go through a transformation in the film. You know, you are maybe more black and white evil at the start, but it's you. You. you you kind of become someone that we maybe I don't admire is the wrong word. Someone that we have a we have a little bit of um, sympathy for. That's interesting. They're all very, very, very frightened, aren't they? Mm. They're all very frightened, and you know he he must have been frightened along with the rest of them that he was going to end up as he does, you know, being killed. And I, that's interesting you say that. I, mean, I hadn't really thought about that, but I suppose these people aren't just all. Yeah, they they suffer fear just as much as anybody else, you know. And mm. I think it's interesting that thing about his liberal reforms too. I, the moment when he goes, I'm going to institute liberal reforms, and of course Khrushchev says, you know, they were just doing that for political reasons. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, I suspect they probably were political reasons, but you know, there's a bit of you think, isn't that interesting? The irony of this man who is so foul suddenly going at showing him to release all the prisoners. It's odd. I mean, it's yeah. odd. <laughs> so I'll outline the releases under Article 31. Please, please. Please, understand that this is not some cynical ploy. I mean, these reforms are correct reforms. Totally understood. Are you wearing a corset? It's a girdle. I have a bad back. It's, it's functional, it's not cosmetic. You wear it well. Let's make this a test of your discretion, shall we? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool. You know, what, what is this lust for power? It's a very fascinating thing, isn't it? Mm. Lust for other things. Power is the most mysterious, isn't it? Mm. Riches, sex, beauty, 
wow, that's such a weird one to want. And you think, isn't that, you know, Stalin didn't live in, I mean, comparative to a lot of people in this country, he lived in luxury, but he didn't, you know, have, you know, fancy yachts and just power, pure power. Um, you just mentioned him in passing, but Michael Palin as Molotov. It was so nice to see him on the big screen again. I know. Well, he's, he is the nicest man you'll ever meet. <laughs> along with, it's rather boring, this, along with the rest of the cast. We had a, you know, he's just so lovely. He's just so lovely. I've just spent the morning with him um, doing interviews. And uh, yeah, no, he's great. But they all were. Did, did you crack up a few times on set? Well, we're talking about this at lunch. No. Weirdly. I don't remember, and I was saying, I was saying to Andrea, did, did we did we laugh in scenes? She said, no, we didn't, did we? It was we laughed before, but I don't think we laughed actually when we were filming at all. I don't know why. Perhaps because it's just too dark a subject. I don't know. And it'd be interesting to know whether they laughed in, you know, the thick of it and Veep. They probably didn't, you know. They probably were just so focused on the on getting this comedy right, but we we didn't. No, we've talked about before with Armando, but on set, what? What kind of direction does he give? Very quiet. Never raises his voice to us at all. Um, very, very eagle-eyed. Very kind. Very kind to me, actually. He mm. was very kind. He 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 rec- he understood, I think, where my weaknesses were, and he wasn't going to allow that to. And of course, also he started gearing. I think he said this, but he started gearing his writing to the characters he was seeing. You know. Mm. suddenly we were aware that lines, there were Simon lines and there were Michael lines and there were Steve lines, you know. And that's quite interesting to mm. watch somebody just watching, 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 mm. watching. And, of course, he was changing the thing the whole time, all the time. Mm. So every day we'd get a new script. Wow. I learned the whole script in one go before we started, like a play. <laughs> rather naively and he laughed at me about that and I said well no it's just because you know it makes me feel safe and I always think well whatever happens I can at least get on set and do the lines in the right order um, a bit like a play and he said well we're not you know every day there's going to be <laughs> changes <laughs> and indeed there were so even though it's in Russia it was shot in London I believe um, could you talk a little bit about the filming itself in the Slough actually most of it there's a big is it a pine forest there's a big oh, yes. f- forest where they built Stalin's stature. Uh, and I think Michael said that's where they did bits of the Holy Grail, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was where that, all that... And the rest of it, yeah, odd places like the Mason's Hall and, and then they did a bit in Kiev, I think. But we, none of us went... None of the actors went out. Well, one actor called Paul Reddy, he went out to Kiev. And he got a holiday. And uh, the rest of us... Yeah, it was mostly London and Slough. It's funny, isn't it? I read recently that um, uh, Russia, some reports from Russia that they think this is not very funny. <laughs> yes, it's, I'm sad about that. I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't. I think they're still in negotiation about showing it. So I don't know quite where they're, where they're at. It's a shame because I think it's. I think mm. I, I think it's in in a, in a rather grand tradition of Soviet humour, actually, apart from anything else. So it's part of the, that culture, and also. I think it's quite a serious film mm. underneath. I think the last beat is is not funny at all when it gets to a sort of climax of... And also there's some... I remember there's a rather moving bit when, when all the... As if the whole of Russia comes to pay their respects to Stalin's body. And that's not funny. 
So I think I think it's um it's a more layered film than that that reaction would allow, and I think it's a shame. Ask Barrier if he invited the bishops. Don't give me orders. Ask Barrier if he invited the bishops. Did you invite the bishops? Yes. Yes. Well, he said yes. I'm going to give everyone in Red Square a voucher permitting one kick each to his stupid face. Is he asking for some delicious hay? No, he said something quite complicated about a voucher system. And sort of taking it maybe broader, the, the time that we live in now politically. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. <laughs> it's the question you get asked every time, I respect. It, yeah, it... Well, power, look, power struggles, power struggles, they don't go away. And, you know, we made this film two years ago and the world has, has was it or was it a year ago? I can't remember. Anyway, some time ago. Certainly I remember voting for, in the referendum during filming, so it was before that. Yeah, and power struggles the world over at all hip periods of history are the sort of the same, aren't they? And it's interesting that that's what Armando really is interested in, isn't it? That it's, it's not about policy. It's not even about Stalin, mm. this film, partly because he dies. And it's not about what he did, except for instill this terrible fear. And um, he's interested in power politics, really. I wondered at this point in your career whether you were enjoying playing some more unusual characters. I really enjoyed you in Penny Dreadful. And obviously this is quite an unusual choice as well. I mean, are you looking for those roles? Well, it's, it's sort of, I don't know whether it's what people are sort of asking me to do, really. I mean, I, I, um, I don't think, unfortunately, I've got the face and the figure to do... I mean, I'd love to do the sort of, you know, the emotional carrier of a film. Mm. Um, I have done on stage many times, of course, but it's slightly different on stage. But I don't think I'm that sort of filmic actor, really. So I suppose, you know, I'm, I suppose I'm what they call, used to call a character actor, aren't I? So Ferdinand Lyle, who I absolutely adore doing, um, you know, <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous accent. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing I'm going to be asked to do. And also I think, I think Shakespeare's probably going to fade away a bit because partly because of my age and the other parts aren't King Lear's waiting for you well no I've done King Lear I did King King Lear two years ago so and I did Prospero just finished doing Prospero so I've done the old ones now (laughs) in fact I was sitting on a sofa I'm doing Vanity Fair at the moment a version of Vanity Fair I'm playing Mr Sedley and Mrs Sedley is played by Claire Skinner who's an old played Desdemona when I did Iago an old friend of mine and we were sitting on the sofa and she said oh my god you do realise this is our first grandparent role so, old characters are now going to be my thing, I suppose. Well, I mean, to cheer you up a little bit, <laughs> I, think, I think there are some great roles in film and television now. I mean, maybe, you know, especially in the, the, the States, you know. So yeah. you, you don't know what's around the corner. Yeah, no, no, I don't know what's around the corner. And I'm, I'm, I have sort of decided to open myself a little bit to new experiences, of which this has been, I have to say, you know, as you can tell, a complete pleasure. So if they're all like this, that's, that's fine by me. They won't be, of course, but, um, you know, if they're as pleasurable as this. I, I wanted to, um, I felt it's a miss not to mention the Barbican. You were in The Tempest recently there. A, a, a good, good experience? Oh, oh, it was wonderful. God, I'm sounding like Pollyanna in this interview, aren't I? Um, uh, I have had some bad no, but, Um Tempest was absolutely Wonderful. And uh, it's a play that I've always thought was rather cold and I, I'm, I was wrong and I found it emotionally very satisfying. And, of course, you, there was lots of sort of 
you know, fancy stuff going on with the the, the computer stuff, which was fascinating. Although, fat, oddly enough, I had very little to do with that. That was all Ariel. So poor old thing, he was spending hours being poked and whatever to make it work. But I just sort of floated around in a sort of cloud of unknowing, just sort of, you know, I'll just do what I do, straight out to the audience. No, but I had a wonderful time. And the Barbican's a very old, an old, you know, haunt of mine, isn't it? Mm. I've been there for eight years with the RSC, so I know it well. How's the speech? Uh, My father was a warm and mighty bear, and we are his 170 million orphaned cubs, Russian cubs, Georgian cubs, Armenian cubs, Lithuanian... Oh, we'll leave you to it. Thanks to Simon for speaking to me. An extraordinary film that manages to be shocking and sorrowful, yet at times laugh out loud funny. Quite an achievement. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. We're here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.